1: Good evening. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller. How are you, Josh?
2: Hey, I'm great, Dan. How are you? Hello. New year, I'm like all...
1: That's okay. Uh, Happy New Year! It's been uh, it's been a few
2: weeks. You've been you were traveling a lot in the past few weeks as well. Correct. Asia, um, a- yes. Asia. Lots of things happening in Asia. No question about it. Still, still on the hot seat in uh, in China and Hong Kong, and uh, of course anything that is uh, Trump U.S. China related, no doubt. Uh, so lots of fun stuff happening there, but the wheels do not
1: stop indeed and uh, today on the program we're going to talk about marketing a good way to start off the year thinking about your marketing plan and all that so we're going to talk about branding uh, with Kim Fuller of the branding agency uh, Phil so Kim will be along in a few minutes and then later in the program uh, we'll talk a bit of branding but also uh, more specifically PR which is uh, what I do and uh, what your marketer needs to know about web content and trends there in 2020 I wrote this blog today and I think it's super important that we know what's going on and how to market better this year so I'm going to talk about that later in the show and we're going to grill you accordingly Dan, for sure grill away uh but first as usual news and notes uh for this week and um part of the blog and i'll I'll ask this josh as my entrepreneurial question of the week is my fear as an entrepreneur and and i know a lot of marketers have the same fear when we see a recession looming marketing is really one of the first things that people cut uh in terms of uh you know uh saving money and cutting costs uh are, are you guys preparing for that this year or is that just a little paranoid because there's a lot, there's been a lot of recession talk now for a couple of years. Uh, is that something that entrepreneurs should prepare for in 2020?
2: Well, that's just it. nobody has a crystal ball, Dan. So will it be here this year, just as, you know, didn't happen in the last couple of years, we are in a U.S. election year. So, you know, it's, it, it would be, Trump will probably do everything in his power not to have a recession or not to have some type of downturn that being said, you know, always ask for an umbrella when it's sunny outside. So, if you don't have a line of credit at the bank and things are going well, maybe it's the time to ask for a line of credit at the bank. If you uh, are, you know, you're you're sure you're you're not sure about your people and you want to upgrade your talent, now's the time to do that so in crunch time you don't have to start searching. Then again, when there is down market, there is more talent out there, so some things you might actually want to wait for. It really depends on your business and where you're heading and and what you're what you're capable of doing. I will tell you and this is just happens with everybody. Problems in a business when things are going great is really easily swept under the carpet. Mm-hmm. Problems when things aren't going so well and you're breaking even at best all come to the surface. So address the problems when you're profitable uh, and because when <laughs> when you're not profitable that's when that's when the, the gloves come off. This piece from the
1: Financial Post from a few weeks ago, follow this advice if you want to avoid a business partnership that crashes and burns. Uh, what are your thoughts? We've talked about this on the show a lot over the years. Um, planning, I guess, is
2: going to be part of your advice. You know, there's, and, and we're going to, we're going to, we won't talk about it too much with, with Kim that we're coming up, but uh, we'll definitely talk about the value of a partner. But when, a, you know, a partnership is sometimes tough. And Dan, you've been in partnerships for, I'm, a, you know, a partnership, Absolutely. And there's, sometimes it goes great and sometimes it doesn't, but the bottom line is be upfront with your partner and at the beginning of the relationship is probably the most important set the ground rules at the very beginning of the relationship, have the tough discussions at the beginning of the relationship, figure out the remuneration, the compensation, the roles, where you're supposed to step, where you're not supposed to step, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, set it at the beginning of the relationship, have that shareholders agreement that we've talked about somewhat incessantly on the program. Set it at the beginning of the relationship because that's the best time to do it. When you're a year or two or three in and things are going well and and there's there's a little bit of attachment to one thing versus another, that's when it's much harder. So do it even before you get in there. If you're not sure everything or all the topics that you're supposed to cover, bounce it off a friend, bounce it off a professional, bounce it off somebody that can or another entrepreneur that can give a little bit of help and a little bit of guidance, but do it at the beginning as much as
1: possible. This piece from Inc.com, why generosity is smart for making profits and the right
2: thing to do. And th- this is also something that, you know, we're going to touch on with Kim later. And that is, you know, we, we always talk about give to get on the program and, and community give back. And I, th- I think this and this really stood out to me because as we're finding the reason and we can continuously talk about this, Dan, as we're finding the reasons for people to go to your business, to buy your product or service. There needs to be a reason why. And we talk about, you know, corporate social responsibility and everything that goes along with it. But it's you know, if generosity is that fundamental philosophy, then I guess the thought process is what goes around comes around. And if you give, then somebody will give back to you. If you have that genuine desire to help, well then people will feel that I know it's a little fluffy. I get that. I'm not the fluffiest guy always. But if you if you're if you're gonna give, then then it's going to set off some chain reaction that will come back. And there. And I'll tell you, there is a concrete evidence and there is a growth story. When we talked to Kim later that, you know, for her giving, she definitely got back. And it wasn't the goal, but that change in business model definitely helped her business. And uh, we're going to hear more about that. I often tell clients there's a generational thing,
1: too. I mean, millennials overwhelmingly expect. They, they don't see it as a positive. They see it as a requirement, really, that your business have some kind of social responsibility model or some kind of ongoing community to give back. And if you're targeting millennials and you don't have that, you're making a very big generational
2: mistake, really. If it's part, It depends what, your, what you want your culture to be and what, you, what kind of people you want to attract to it. So if that's all-encompassing and that's what you want to do, then by all means share it with everybody. Also from Inc.com for customer service trends you need to know about in 2020. And this is interesting. And, and you know, it says 2020, but the reality is it's been like this for probably a couple of years. Real-time customer support. You know, don't sit and wait. Don't, you know, nobody if you're gonna if you're gonna have a customer that wants an answer, don't wait a week or two weeks or even two days to get back to them where possible. Try and get back in something that's real time, which of course brings into brings into into fact the, the technology behind it do you have an ai do you have a chatbot that's out there and yes some people could think it's only retail that you know you want to go in but it could be b2b as well so does ai come into play where you don't have to have a person quote unquote manning the lines but you have a bot that you've created with a sti- with a typical set of faqs and answers to the faqs that can learn as you fly i think more self help options you know people are very you know they become very adept with online so the more you can have them help themselves, whether it's links to sites where, you know, or guidelines or whatever, I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's good. And, and in certain aspects, certainly in a retail virtual and augmented reality, that's gonna, you know, we've been talking about that too, for a couple of years. And for me, augmented reality, I can't believe is not out there even more than it is augmented reality. That's like, you're going into a, a furniture store and you see the great coffee table and you just wonder what it's going to like in your own living room, Oh, well, great, you have a picture of your living room. You can physically, or physically, not physically, but you can virtually have a picture of that coffee table in your living room and see how it looks. That's augmented reality. That's Pokemon Go, right? You can mm-hmm. walk in the park and see a Pokemon that was, you know, behind a bush or whatever. Augmented reality. I am so surprised it's not out there even more. Then again, I don't understand that technology, so what am I to say? But for me, that that. That as much as it's been 2018, 2019, 2020, absolutely.
1: Lastly from entrepreneur.com mistakes to avoid when naming your business. So we're going to talk about branding on the show today and this is something that I went through a few years back when we changed over to to TNKR Media. What it was an incredibly painstaking process. And the only advice I have to give to people is take your time and do a brainstorming session and and don't rush because the the perfect name will come up eventually.
2: Uh, I agree and and you know it's not that I selected or we it wasn't that I was reading these articles after talking with Kim cuz Kim and Phil went through a couple of name changes, and we'll talk about that as well. But there's a few things this article was very true. It's great, Dan, when you went through name changes. I don't know how many people you involved, but oh, if you it involved doesn't at least. So doesn't it slow down the process? The more people you get involved, it's great. You want the input, yeah. But when you're involving a whole committee, that could really absolutely paralyze you. So that that's one of them to kind of avoid. Uh, you know the the train wreck. You know, do you combine two names together? Quali Serve. Do you do, you do uh, Tranqui Spa? You know where where are the, where are the names that you're that you're including together? So maybe avoid that because it's 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 a little bit uh, kitschy and doesn't necessarily grab on. Tranqui Spa. I don't think I want to spend any time there. <laughs> <laughs> that depends if you want to get relaxed, Dan. Uh, so you know, plain words. You know, just just plain words that are that are out there that, that you can use that you want to develop a name around them. Yeah, it could be catchy, but. Think of, think of the marketing dollars you have to do to get a regular name uh, out there and memorable. So, there, I mean, there's a whole bunch. There's, there's a bunch of different ways to, uh, to try to find the right name. There's no question it takes some effort and, and activity, focus groups, bounce it off a few people. But ultimately, don't if you involve too many people, you're going to have so much different opinions, it's going to paralyze you. Today's Entrepreneur on cj eight hundred.
1: Coming up next, we're going to speak to Kim Fuller of the brand branding strategy agency, Phil, and talk about branding and marketing. And uh, Lynn, later in the program, we'll talk about uh, my thoughts on what we need to know about web content trends in 2020 and what marketers should be aware of uh, in uh, a very increasingly noisy marketplace. So that is on the way. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Welcome back to today's entrepreneur, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller. With you, presented by FL Montreal. And this evening, we're going to talk about branding. Love branding. It's a uh, something we we do once in a while, and uh, it's it's really fascinating. But I don't do it full time. And so when I talk to people that do it full time, Josh, I'm I'm so interested in the art uh, artistic work that goes into it. Uh, so I'm, quite- I'm
2: feel I'm feeling a little oh. outnumbered here, Dan. Yeah. You know, the <laughs> two of you, marketing, branding. You know, who am I in all this? So the agency is called Phil and. And uh, partner Kim Fuller is here. Welcome, Kim. Hi. So where did, what does Phil do? That's the simplest question of the night, Kim. What does Phil do?
3: So Phil helps uh, nonprofit organizations and charities, socially mission, socially mission businesses to advance their cause through helping them with their strategy, their fundraising, their communication, branding needs.
1: Phil for philanthropy. It is. So that's a great brand. That's (laughs) a really great
3: brand. We wanted it simple. I'm
2: really jealous of it. It's really great. <laughs> now Phil is today's name. What was the you've been in business how long now?
3: Twenty years.
2: Now, what was the name at the beginning twenty years ago? Like where did the where did this start twenty years ago?
3: I think it started um, growing up watching my dad work in the agency world, and he worked for a company called CBS Graphics. And so when we started, I started up as a freelancer, and I just took my initials from my name, which were KKF, and I put KKF Graphics. And then when I took on a partner, we called it ID Graphics, because we thought we were super clever that ID in French is idée, so we were perfectly bilingual for a Montreal audience. Um, And so we started- And Graphics,
2: of course, is bilingual.
3: Yeah, but we spelt it I-D-G-R-A-F-F-I-X, and that was our biggest faux pas as young entrepreneurs.
2: <laughs> now, how long did ID Graphics with X last?
3: About two years, and then everybody was calling us IDG, uh, and so we wanted to sound a little bit more Corporate? Corporate. A grown up? Bit, a little bit grown up, yeah. And so we changed it to IDG Communications because we also felt that we were doing, starting to do more than graphics. And so just branching out and calling it communications gave us a larger service offering and certainly sounded more professional. And people would say, oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard of you guys. And I was like, really, all three of us? You know, we were so <laughs> tiny. Um, but it made all the difference in the world in terms of positioning. We, we sounded more legitimate. And, and the spelling, it was just easier all around. You know, it made more sense.
2: So it's it's that what's in a name we were chatting before, Dan, you know, how important in selecting a name was it a long process? First of all, then you became Phil. I don't know how long after IDG Communications. Two more years. Two more years. So you've actually had Phil for longer than two years. Yeah. So why the change from IDG to Phil? Like where where was that aha?
3: So we hadn't fully tested the market yet and we weren't sure if we could survive as a company solely serving the not-for-profit sector. And so we kept some corporate clients and slowly diminished our business development on the corporate side of things as we grew business development on the not-for-profit side um, and so we ran both brands simultaneously for at least you know almost 10 years um, and then gradually yeah rolled rolled just rolled everything down and uh carried on with with phil uh, once we had our our training wheels off
1: Part of my adventure in rebranding my company was coming up with a name and finding out that so many names are taken these days, especially online. Do you find that's a challenge, uh, not just for branding yourself, but for clients as well, that sometimes you have to come up with, you know, acronyms?
3: It is. Uh, it is painful. Hmm. Um, and uh, we always start with the core values. And I think that that was what um, helped us choose the word Phil, is because the word Phil in ancient Greek means love. And and we truly, I mean, as as you know, cheesy as it sounds, we love what we do, we really do, and it's at the core of everything that we do. And so it was a natural fit, and we didn't want to sound intimidating. So Phil sounds like a cool guy who would help you move your sofa for a slice of pizza and a beer, right? Um, and uh, and our and our client base is very intimidated hiring marketers and 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 brand specialists when they've never really delved into that. So to already set them at ease with a name that doesn't feel intimidating was super important for us when we're researching for clients. um, Now with the whole dot whatever you want to be and there's dot IO and dot com and dot net and dot orgs for all the charities, it is really complicated finding a URL that's available, you know, and so where we used to just be able to come up with a clever name, and be done. Now we have to check the availability of the URL. So that adds an extra layer. And it adds an extra layer of creativity that sometimes we have to add a little something to the URL to be able to get it. And that it still is memorable and short enough for people to remember and obviously easy to spell.
2: You you mentioned corporate, you mentioned not-for-profit social organizations. At what point did you make that decision to go towards one niche over, over the other and why?
3: I think in my heart, I always knew that's where I wanted to take the business, but there was nobody else in the social space in the ad world who was doing this. And so I didn't even know if it was possible. Right. I couldn't do any benchmarking. I couldn't do any market research to see how successful other people had been because I couldn't find anybody who wanted to offer design and marketing services to charities. And so I really had to test. And that's how my career started, was I offered my services to some charities pro bono to build up my portfolio and to get things going. And the more I did that, the more I recognized how desperate they were for professional help. And um, it really set me on this path. And as I researched, I found a company in, in New York called Big Duck. And, um, I figured, well, if they could do it in New York, I could do it here in Montreal. And that's where in around 2003, we launched Phil officially. And back in those days, it was called Phil Communications Mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a, You know, an offshoot of IDG communications was a good fit. Um, And then uh, just last year, 2019, we dropped communications because we do more than that now. So that was also another name change in our history uh, was dropping the word communications because it limited us. It didn't explain to people that we also do fundraising, you know, that we also can help with strategy. Uh, And a lot of people thought all we did was PR. So the word communications can be misunderstood. So that's why we decided to just go short and sweet.
2: You're switching from, I guess, corporate to philanthropy to not-for-profit or charities. Was there a concern that there's less money to be had or less profits? And did you feel you were taking a risk? Or, you know, because at the end of the day, you still have to feed yourself and your family. And maybe it's a little bit less. But I understand the the give back and the wanting to to get and give and all that. But was there a concern that maybe this world... Because you started pretty early, 2003... Uh, in, uh, 1999 no, was but, the but, original but, oh, but when Phil. you started yes. focusing yeah. on Phil yeah. and, and Flam- yeah. in 2003 yeah. and maybe it wasn't so prevalent to have these charities that do have limited funds mm-hmm. to start spending on marketing how how was that challenge
3: It was a huge challenge because it was um, frowned upon to spend money to make money um I've I've come to learn that we were like 10 years ahead of the Quebec market um, because philanthropy is about 10 years behind uh, here compared to Ontario, the rest of Canada, and certainly the United States and elsewhere. So um, that was one of the reasons why we had those, quote-unquote, training wheels on for so many years. While we were still maintaining corporate accounts through IDG, we were able to test markets, test our marketing approaches, and and really um, not rush into something that we weren't too sure of.
2: Is it tough to educate those in the in the charitable organization field, the value?
3: It is. Um, what we realized is that um, when we are able to access board of directors, uh, a great number of those board of directors are often from the business world. And so now that the sector has kind of like professionalized, we're seeing more and more business people who are on board of directors who are who are transitioning themselves to work in charities. And so they come from a world where they're used to spending on marketing. So lately, it has been uh, a little easier for us, but we still have to make the arguments. And the only way we can do that is by showing what our work has done to help transform charities and the work that they do.
1: More on nonprofit branding and marketing in general with Kim Fuller of the strategy agency Phil on the way. Plus, I'll be talking a little bit about uh, my thoughts on web content trends for 2020 and what your marketer needs to know And just a little bit. Uh, today's Entrepreneur on CJAD News is next.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult FL Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit, the jobs Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Josh Miller. And this evening, we're talking branding and marketing with Kim Fuller of the branding agency, Phil. And Josh, later we'll talk about uh, marketing and PR and uh, my warnings for web content trends in 2020. And I have some pretty severe warnings, so that's on the way after traffic. Uh, but first chatting severe with Kim. Severe
2: warnings. I'm, it's it's a, like St. John's Newfoundland. <laughs> line. It's severe warnings. It's Dan yes. Delmar's <laughs> thunderstorm
1: coming. Well, there is a storm. There is a. I call it the content storm of 2020. So we'll get into that later. Uh, it has to do with Mr. Trump. But, uh, but first, uh, back to, to Kim and, and the early days, starting a branding agency that, uh, that's specifically tar- tar- targeting uh, nonprofits. Uh, Kim, how did you overcome those first bumpy years? Because you have to sort of have a very set uh, business model in mind, right? And you have to sort of just kind of stick to it. How did you survive uh, those early years? <laughs>
2: and, 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 and Dan, I'll kind of add to that. And I, maybe the right question, not not the right question but sometimes, you know, as a female entrepreneur, you're met with certain barriers, which is still amazingly unfortunate, but is reality. So Absolutely. maybe part of those bumpy years, how, how, how did you deal with that? Or, or was that even an issue?
3: It, yeah, I think it always has been. Um, it, you know, it being in the marketing world, advertising agencies uh, back in the day were uh, mostly owned, operated, uh, driven by men. You know, so I was in a boys' club of sorts, and trying to make my way through uh, it didn't intimidate me too much. I grew up with three big brothers, and I was very much a tomboy growing up, so I I, I never really thought too much about it, um, and uh, and and didn't question it. Just kept my eye on the prize and just uh, j'ai foncé, as we say in French. And so, um, carving a path, uh, I was more concerned about how to find that path. And I'd love to say that I had the most beautiful business plan laid out with my 5, 10, 15-year... How many know, times
2: have you changed your business plan over 20 years?
3: I'm still writing it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love that answer, Josh. I, honestly,
3: <laughs> like, you know, when you're trying to carve out... Uh, something that's never been done before there's you just you got to go you know with the flow you've got to figure things out you have to be incredibly resilient um flexible adaptable and just observe and learn and everything that you take in just make sure you don't screw up like that the next time you know
2: you know we were talking off off air about changing business models and you made a fairly significant change not too long ago can you share with us that change
3: So we had hit our 15th year in business. And I was running out of steam. You know, I was getting founder fatigue. Uh, I wasn't really sure if I really had it, you know, had what it took to 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 keep going and there's a lot of self-doubt even though we were you know our, our our notoriety we were becoming more and more known in the in in the space um but I I really you were, wondered you were still focused on charities or Absolutely. you had a mix of yeah. corporate and char- no okay. by this time we had we were completely focused on charities but like we were just saying before the break you know it's really hard convincing them uh it's not hard convincing them to find the budgets to hire specialists like us it's hard um carving out you know, and finding funders who will fund non- Mission-critical type of work. So, if you know funders typically and donors individually, and I'm sure we're all very philanthropic here in the room, it's it's a question of like where do I want my dollars to matter most? And so we think of going into programming and 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 services, not into you know helping a marketer help us grow the visibility of our organization. So that's a whole other show. Um, But what we decided to do, or what I decided to do, was when my intern came forward and said, I've discovered this thing called. B Corp. You should really look into it. I think Phil was born to be a B Corp. I said, wow, what's that? Tell me more about it. So um, we went for an info session and basically learned that B Corporations uh, exist around the world. Um, and they exist to not only have a profitable business, but we put people and it before profit, and I really that really resonated with me uh, as a social entrepreneur.
2: And we and we had somebody from B Corp here. I don't know if it was last year or the year before that, sharing exactly that. That you know, giving businesses and owners that want to give that want to achieve this a way to do that, and a way to tell the outside world that that's what we do.
3: Yeah, and uh, it goes a bit back to the question that you had about you know how do you make a living? You know, and we 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 earn an honorable living at least that's what we aim to to do so we don't need to live lavishly we want to live you know we want to earn the money that we should be getting paid for the professional services that we offer but but becoming b corp really helped us um anchor certain things that we were doing by instinct we then learned to um put into place operationally so that it became really part of the way you know part of our dna
2: how did it change the business how did it change the growth how did it affect you
3: it was bar none, the best strategic planning I've ever done for the business without actually sitting down and doing a business plan and a strategic plan. So the series of 200 some odd questions that you are asked during the process of doing the certification, uh, which they call the uh, the the B assessment, um, they ask you questions about governance, the, the, the company, like who you serve in terms of your customers, what your environmental impacts are, how you treat your employees, uh, and so on. And so you're graded with points and you have to get a minimum of 80 points to certify um, and uh, that whole process really opened our eyes to the things that we could change. and so we um, we became a very attractive and to, to your point earlier Dan it was about the the uh, the millennials and the younger generation having this expectation of and and wanting to work for a company, that's just more than for taking home a paycheck. They want to have purpose. And so as we uh, became certified, people were coming to us saying, can I work for you? And I didn't even have to put out a job opening. Like they were just knocking on our doors and and more than half of our staff that's with us today did that, just wrote to me and said, hey, it looks like you're a really cool company that's doing good work and, and you really mean it. So I want to join that. So it's it's been a really unexpected pleasure to see what it's done for recruitment.
1: Are there any major differences in your view between marketing a business and marketing a nonprofit?
3: Absolutely. Um, it's... You know, the, the, where to start? I'd need a whole hour just to cover that topic. <laughs> Great, um, you got 30 seconds. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, you know, there's so many choices of where we can donate our money nowadays. Um, and, and we really, it's the same mechanism that goes off in our brain, you know, uh, is the same for choosing what coffee I want to buy versus where I want to give my money. Um, but the the purpose behind it you know and the altruism of of, you know the it's just it's that makes it different but the way that our brain reacts about i want to go here or there that's the same so we do borrow a lot of traditional marketing tools but the tone the style it's it's the lines are being more and more blurred nowadays especially with corporate social responsibility and stuff everybody's looking for that you know soft spot and trying to pull on people's heartstrings
2: and we're going to talk about marketing after after the next break but uh from a marketing standpoint, or, or from uh, I guess, uh, uh, are you, do you have competition? You know, if if there's not so much, like, is there a lot of competition? Do you worry about that?
3: I I didn't worry about it for a long time. I would say in the last five years, uh, we've seen an an increase in people moving into the space, and I couldn't be happier. I mean, if there are more businesses out there who are trying to help one of the most deserving industries in the world, I'm I'm really excited by that.
2: It's a big industry.
3: It is. It's huge. It's eight point one percent of the GDP. I mean that's of huge. Quebec? No, of, oh, of Canada. 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 Of yeah. Canada. And uh, I mean, millions of people are, are employed in the not for profit world. It's 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 huge, you know. Um so so having this perception that is like, Oh, you're so sweet, you work with charities, there's a lot on the line, you know, and when some of these organizations come to us, they are desperate and, and we have to think of creative ways to to help them out quickly.
1: All right, we're joined by Kim Fuller of Phil, the branding agency. So more with Kim in a second. We'll talk about marketing, PR, and web content next. And I'll talk about uh, my web content trends for 2020 and some warnings. And I'd love your thoughts on this as well, too, Kim. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a second.
0: For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com.
1: Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller for Today's Entrepreneur by FL Montreal. And Josh, uh, we have with us Kim Fuller of the branding agency Phil. We'll have Kim's one piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur in a moment. Uh, but I want to invite Kim to join this next conversation because it's very much about branding and marketing and about uh, what I do uh, when I'm not here at CJD.
2: No, exactly. Uh, and And we've been talking about this again, Dan, for years and years and years. And content is king. But the question is... What content? How much content? Where do you put the content? And is 2020 going to be different than prior years? And I know you've got an opinion as long as my arm, (laughs) uh, but let's start with the stuff you've been thinking uh, and kind of blogging about lately. Where do you see 2020 from a content standpoint and what are the challenges for entrepreneurs and what they should do?
1: it's i want to be i'm going to be a bit harsh and that's why i'm curious if kim you agree and if you don't that's totally cool we can uh, we can talk about it but i'm i'm a little less optimistic about web content specifically and social media uh, for 2020 and that's because i'm going to go back to what happened in 2016 um th- this argument is like literally the length of your arm it's at tnkr.ca there's like 1500 words on this here if you want to check out the blog that's a big little splash page there for it but basically my argument is that uh just like the 2016 presidential year we're going to be flooded with a lot of web marketing content that's all american politics so you may ask yourself well who cares i'm not i'm not in politics why does that impact me There's so much money in American politics following what was called the Citizens United decision that political spenders, super PACs, essentially every four years now become the largest advertising spenders on planet Earth. This is super important for for your marketer to understand because if they don't uh, see how cluttered your web platforms, your social media feeds are becoming, they're not going to switch up their tactics and they're going to continue pumping out the same stuff, the same clickbait they're going to be pumping out, but it's going to have less of an effect because there's a so much more competition uh,
2: coming from the United States this year. Does it matter what business you're in? Does it matter what you're selling? Does it matter the, the message you're trying to give? Does it matter how many followers you already have? Like how much does that come into play? You can insulate yourself to a certain respect if
1: you're in a very sort of micro niche, like if you're only in fashion and you're only on Instagram and stuff, you can, to a certain extent, isolate yourself from a lot of this political stuff. But once you're uh, into general marketing and PR, and if you want to get your brand to the news here and there, you're going to have fewer opportunities to do that this year. And uh, it's not me talking, by the way. One of the largest advertisers uh, on Earth is Unilever, of course. They make Mm -hmm. everything under the sun, everything you find in a supermarket. It's a chemical company. 2016, the head of Unilever lever marketing is saying we're gonna just pull out possibly of all digital advertising because of this political storm because there's so much junk out there it's turning people off uh, people are not engaging uh, the way they used to in on social media and it's creating bad vibes it's bad for it's bad for selling stuff so my, my advice for 2020 really is is to uh, cut back on some of the marketing you're doing on social media, Facebook in particular, uh, because Facebook has said quite clearly that they're going to really take money from anyone and everyone, to, regardless of whether or not it's propaganda, and that's going to be cluttering
2: up our feeds uh, a lot of this year, I think. Is the absence of content can that be hurtful? You know, I understand why, but if you if you withdraw completely, will the absence of content go back? Because you know, you you know, if if you go back in 2021. And you look back to people's history and say, well, they haven't posted in 12 months so what does that mean can't that have a negative connotation absolutely uh, it means by business I'm not gonna I'm not gonna tell people to
1: cut it out right you have to keep those lines of communication open but I would just do less so I'm saying I'm telling to people especially professional services companies give us less of your money give marketers less of your money but put it into stuff that we know is going to be useful over the long term that's going to create value on your website that's your property not on Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn on your pro uh, on your asset so grow your asset by putting Practical web content on there, uh, blogs that are informative, podcasts, videos, whatever you need to reach your customers, add value to their web experience, and in the long term, you'll be rewarded with that, and you'll be able to weather some of the content storm that's going out there because you're you're growing this very valuable asset. Uh,
2: Kim, you know you're you're listening to this, and I, I can feel you wanting to jump in. <laughs> uh, you know, you you naturally in in that business in that world, yeah. You want to feed your have your own content, uh, social media or elsewhere. What do you see going ahead? What are your plans?
3: Definitely on the same page. Uh, our motto with our clients is, is is do less, but do it better. Um, and the other thing that I would add is in a year where you are going to be caught in this, you know, tsunami of, of God knows what coming out of the United States. Um, your best bet is focus on those who love you already. When was the last time you really took a look at your own existing customers? We're always so focused on acquisition, acquisition, acquisition. In my opinion, this is a year to focus on retention, right? So you have access to these people who have bought from you already, who have acquired your services. When was the last time you checked in with them, sent them a little note, email? You have that we've been data capturing for many years now. Use that, right? Go more towards like getting in touch with them and, and reaching out and getting them to buy more from you instead of wasting your time trying to attract new business. It
2: it comes back to, you know, the old adage of know your audience. It's great that people, you know, kind of a gut feeling of your audience, but how many people have that empirical evidence have gone out and dug in say, really, who is your audience? Uh, you know, how do you, how do you guys feel about, uh, I'm sure you've absolutely agree with it but you know going out and and knowing your audience delving into the stats would you suggest that is is that tough to do
3: it's it's a great opportunity to touch base with your constituents in my in my line of work we're talking usually donors and and funders and so on but even if it's a customer it's great to hear from a business or an organization where you're just asking my opinion and you're not trying to sell me something you know so oh we don't want to bug people with surveys or this and that why not Send them a quick little thing. This will take five seconds of your time. We need to know: is your favorite color red or blue? You know, just do it, and it's a touch point that isn't a hard sell, and it's just keeping the lines of communication open. And you can glean so much information from doing a short questionnaire, or even a Facebook. You know, pick your, you know, prioritize uh, your top priorities. Anything like that can be can be a fun way to engage.
1: We're on the same page, clearly. And and what I'd also say is build out those private communication channels. So your newsletter, hugely important. Private events invite invite. invite people into your business and teach them about your business and uh and also inform it could be just like like him said a blog or a social media post make someone's day better with your content Don't,
2: don't try to push stuff on them it's not about spending more hours on it. It's spending the right hours on it. Like you said, Dan, quality over quantity, and that could win. Thanks so much. Uh, I know, again, it's that topic that we can talk about for a really long time. But as we approach the last moments of our shows, we do each week, we'll turn to Kim Fuller of Phil and ask you, Kim, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur?
3: Oh, my gosh. Keep swimming. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's uh, There's so many reasons to not keep at it. And then, you know, you just have to keep up your resilience and and know that just when you think you can't, you really can and you should, you know, and uh, um, I think that that's that's been something that is is the hardest to do is just to keep, you know, keep at it and and knowing that there's a busy world out there and you've got to carve your space. Um, If you believe in it, and you're willing to work hard at it, um, it it can happen and you just got to Believe in yourself. Surround yourself with good people, too.
2: Thanks very much, Kim and Dan. My takeaway and my favorite takeaway is always, as an entrepreneur, you got to constantly reinvent yourself. Never forget that. All right. And uh, some extra
1: reading material people want. Uh, Kim has a great blog up on uh, phil.ca about the top five trends in philanthropy for 2020. And if you want to read uh, my take on uh, 2020 trends, it's at tnkr.ca. And uh, thanks very much, Kim Fuller of Phil, for dropping by tonight. Thanks. It was great. Back next week Josh a uh, first next week uh, the owner of a professional sports franchise Correct All right next Sunday at uh, next Monday at 7 at CJAD have a good night